Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny back and better than ever, presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests, like PJ Carlissimo, who'll join me in a second live on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. A lot to get to today, but almost all of the conversation for this day will be about a legend that we have lost, John Thompson, dead at the age of 78. And I opened the show by saying that to talk about John Thompson, you are really having two completely separate conversations. You were talking about a Hall of Fame basketball coaching career, which he most certainly had three decades at Georgetown and the championship and the final fours and all the players that he coached and all the games that he won. And then a person whose significance as a human being and a public figure and, and, and a leader was probably more, well, not probably, was more important than any games he won or lost or coached. And very quickly, I threw out just to you, use the hashtag Greeny, hashtag G-R-E-E-N-Y, who else goes in that category? Who would be other people whose impact, who had that kind of coaching career, who were that important, but who also had an impact that was that level of, of important above and beyond the wins and losses? And a few that I'm seeing immediately, a lot of people, Pat Summit, absolutely, Title IX and the growth of, of women's college basketball and, and so many other opportunities for women athletes, Pat Summit. And the winningest coach, she certainly uh, belongs in that conversation. I'm seeing people mentioning Jim Valvano in an entirely different way. I think that makes sense, too. I mean, in Jim's name, over $200 million have been raised um, to fight cancer. And so those are just a few interesting ones that have come in. But this is not a day to be comparing them. Um, I began this day by getting this word about the passing of John Thompson. And one of the first phone calls that we made at Get Up was to P.J. Carlissimo, and I can tell you now, PJ, who coached at Seton Hall, was um, emotional and, and not ready to come on and talk about it at that moment. And I'm extremely grateful that he's going to take a few minutes with me here. So PJ, who works with us now at ESPN, is in the bubble and he's doing all these NBA games on radio. But most of us, PJ, will always remember your years at Seton Hall and, and the Big East at a time when Big East basketball was unlike anything I can ever remember and all those years that you coached against John Thompson. So I appreciate you this morning. How are you doing today, PJ? Doing, doing good, Greeny. It's just, uh, I, I knew John wasn't doing well, but, um, you know, you're never, you're never ready for this. And, and feel bad, selfishly just feel bad because of the lack of travel and whatnot. Uh, didn't get a chance to see him. Last time I was in D.C., I saw JT3. Um, didn't get a chance to see uh, his father because he was not feeling good at the time. I had a U.S. game, actually, for... ESPN TV, uh, Mike Fratello was coaching the U.S. team that Jeff Van Gundy coached so well for three or four years, and they played Puerto Rico in the uh, Wizards practice facility. I don't know if it has a name. I can't even remember what the name is. But, um, John, it's just uh, you, I, you said it very, very well. John, John's impact on so many levels uh, was incredible. And, and, frankly, the fact that he could coach as well as he coached and, and you know, at all – with the multitude of things that he had going uh, for him over the years. He was a mentor to so many people. He was a staunch advocate um, for so many good causes and, and of course, for um, African-American coaches and players. And the job he did for his student-athletes was was incredible. I mean, they never really – he and and Mary Fenlon and – all the people that were there. Jack DeGore is the president now. At, at, at one point, I think he was in academics before he became the president at Georgetown. And uh, he was amazing. I, mean, I met John when I was an assistant at Fordham. 
in the early 70s, and he was still at St. Anthony's. And then when he went to Georgetown, um, the job he did there, I mean, Fordham and Georgetown in those days were comparable. They'd play homecomings against each other and still do in virtually every sport. And what John was able to do at Georgetown was, you know, beyond belief to be as good as they were for as long as they were and to just graduate his guys, make his guys better people. I mean, it was there was no one that did more for their student-athletes than John and Mary and the people at Georgetown. It was incredible. And he did it no, at, at Cap Center, which was so hard, Greeny. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not on campus. He, he played at McDonough in the beginning for a, for a couple of years when, when he had uh, – you know some of the some of the St. Anthony's guys that came over. I remember playing them uh, there in McDonough. But uh, then shortly after that, they're playing out in Landover. They're so far away from the campus; it was so difficult. And yet that program was so good, it just thrived. And his partnership with Nike. He's been on the. He was on the board at Nike for so long, and was a val- very valuable um, advisor and ally for Phil Knight and the, and the people at Nike. And he was so good to me. Uh, a lot of guys are gracious winners. Um, you know, when, when they beat you by 20, they'll have a nice thing to say about you, something like that. John and Louie were the two that were, they were gracious because if you beat them every once in a while, it was never an alibi. It was never the refs. It was never, um, you know, this or that. It was always, he's doing a great job, was a great win. I mean, he was just, he was such a, good friend. I mean, I, I considered him much more um, a friend, honestly, than somebody I coached against. And uh, th- that group in the beginning, he and Louie and Roley and uh, Jim Beheim, I mean, they made the Big East, you know, together with, with Dave Gavitt and Mike Trangisi. That's the Big East. I mean, you know, all of us that came after that were lucky, Jim Calhoun and myself and uh, Gary Williams, Rick Pitino, all the other people. But those four were there right from the beginning, and, and they made it uh, what, what it was, Louie and John and uh, Jimmy and Roley. I agree. And, and maybe for me, just because I was a kid growing up in New York at the time, it felt bigger than life. I, I don't know if everyone across the, front, the country felt that way, but to me there was nothing like Big East basketball in those days, and I'm not sure there ever will be. Again, I talked to Bayheim this morning about it and about that rivalry, and just very quickly, because you just touched on it, Bayheim said it's one thing to go to North Carolina or to go to Duke or to go to UCLA and build a program there. It's been done before. Someone did it, and someone will do it again. To go to a place like Georgetown where they hadn't done it and build it essentially from scratch – is is the more difficult job. And you just touched on it there because you're telling me something I didn't know. You're saying when he got there, Georgetown and Fordham were essentially comparable programs? No, we play we played in every sport. You had two Jesuit universities, two great schools that were comparable athletically. All the time when I was through college, when I graduated in seventy one, that's again what you know, well before the Big East and uh, to get to where it was and, and Green, you're right, people forget because now you can't turn the T V on without seeing a game uh in a normal year. In those days and and it's funny, recruiting, I can't tell you how many coaches, high school players and their coaches and co- other college coaches would go. They hated it because it, when the only thing you could watch on TV was the Big East. Big Monday, you know, it wasn't like there was 10 games a night on, on 10 different networks at that time. Dave Gavitt, uh, the partnership between ESPN and the Big East was so big, uh, and it just dominated 
uh, basketball for a while, the same way John did. I mean, John's bigger than life, always was. Misunderstood, I think, in one sense, because I think, you know, with, with rivalries, guys would always get on him and they'd see him growling at his players and it, the play, his players would go running over like in standard attention when, when John talked to them. But, um, but not a not a delightful guy, an unbelievably friendly, uh, almost didn't want people to know what a good guy he was. I mean, he had that gruff exterior, and people just said, man, I, you know, how can you get along with him? Uh, and then he'd give you that little smile. I mean, he was absolutely amazing and truly one of a kind. Uh, you know, I, I feel so bad for uh, JT3 and, and Ronnie. I got to reach out for them. But, I mean, they were so lucky because, he, I mean, honestly, a great father, a great coach. His guys, if you talk to his guys, when you hear the Georgetown players, Patrick, any of the guys who played for him, uh, Michael Jackson, those guys that, that have done so well, a lot of them outside of basketball, when you hear them talk about John, it, it's incredible. Uh, and that, that's how they felt then. That's how they're always going to feel about him. They loved him, and, and, and Dikembe Mutombo has made a statement today, and we will hear from Patrick Ewing, I have no doubt, and we've heard from, from many of his players. Allen Iverson at his Hall of Fame induction thanked John Thompson for saving his life. I'm, I'm Greeny. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. PJ with me for another minute here. You know, we, we, have, we have talked about John Thompson in two separate ways. There is the significance of his life and all the things he stood for, but give me for a minute, if you would, let's talk about him as a coach. What was it like coaching against his teams? Well, the, the first thing, if you weren't laced up and you weren't ready to match the intensity, forget the X's and O's, forget everything else. So, like, as, as long as you were willing to go at them, uh, you know, and uh, it, it, would, it was – there was no finesse. They, they were – their best offense against the zone was their offensive rebounding. They would come down, make a couple passes, and throw it up, and then they would just go after it. I mean, Zo, Alonzo and Dikembe played together on the same front line. I mean, Patrick, I mean, the guys they had, the way they went after it, the way they defended you, the way they rebounded was incredible. And, you know, that, that was the thing. Like, when you were in a game with them, whether you won it or didn't win it, but, I mean, when you were in, like, a one-possession game and, and you're shaking hands after the game, your guys did a hell of a job. They were ready to play. They laced it up, and they didn't back down at all. Because if you back down from them, forget about it. They would just dominate you uh, on the defensive end and on the glass, and you just you couldn't compete. And uh, John's teams always, always competed. Uh, you know, you might say, well, they did this. Forget that. The number mm-hmm. one thing was how hard they played, the way they competed. Uh, and, and he was – and John, it was incredible. I mean, he would just – kind of crook his finger and call him over. He'd be standing there with the towel over his shoulder, and they would go running over, and he would, I mean, our guys, I was good for a week after that. Our guys didn't think I was the only crazy one for the week after we played Georgetown. They were going like, man, did you hear what he said to Patrick, or did you hear? Um, He was, but he was fantastic. They loved him. He was fantastic. The freshmen had to check in every night with uh, Mary Fenlon. Um, before they before they went to bed, Did they, had they done their homework? What were their assignments for the next day? What time their first class was? I mean, they ran such a tight ship and did such a great job uh, with the players that that went to Georgetown and what he did for that university. I mean, you're talking a great university to begin with, but you know that when you talk about Georgetown basketball, with all due respect to Patrick and Alonzo and to Kembe and Alan Ivers, all the guys you talked about, you're talking about John Thompson. The, the constant was John. Uh, the, the players came and went. Uh, John Thompson was the constant. And you, from the day he got there, 
uh, it was amazing the, the way he transformed Georgetown basketball and helped that athletic program so much. I mean, so many of the buildings that were built, a couple of them, John donated, a few of them are named after John, I believe. Uh, but it, it's, he was so great for that university. Uh, and he's a PC guy. I actually saw him play. Providence played University of Scranton. When my father was the athletic director growing up at the University of Scranton. I saw John play uh, in the Catholic Youth Center, uh, CYC in Scranton, for, uh, for Providence. Uh, same place I saw Bayon play for the Scranton Biners when he was an assistant coach at Syracuse. But John was a heck of a player at Providence. I mean, a really good player at Providence and played with the Celtics. He had to win a championship because he was there when Bill was there. He did. Um, he won two. He had to win some, yeah. He won two sure. championships. He was he backed up Bill Russell for the Celtics for a couple of years, um, and then of course became a coach. and And then the rest is history. And he built this program and helped build the Big East and sort of helped build college basketball as it became and stayed for a very uh, long time. Yeah, go ahead, PJ. Quick final thought. He was so good. He was right there with Dave Gavitt. The, the things they changed, the many things that that they accomplished. John was always his lieutenant right there when Dave wanted to get something done and we'd be battling the, the NCAA or other things. It was, that's, John was right there with him. That was a, a wonderful partnership, Dave Gavitt and John Thompson. Frank Rienzo, his athletic director, was the third member of that triumvirate. Now, PJ, I know that this was a sad day for you. Thank you very much for taking a few minutes here. Best wishes, and I will see you soon. Thanks, Greeny. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, uh, the kind words for John. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Coach. PJ Carlissimo, again, when I, my staff, we, we, we woke up a bunch of people this morning, and one of them was Dick Vitale, and, um, and another was PJ, and, and everyone very emotional with this news that, that came overnight. And, and John Thompson is just one of those people who was around forever, and one of those people that you, it sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, but one of those people that you just couldn't imagine wasn't going to be around forever. Um, and he was larger than life. He was 6'10", and, and um, it was just different. It's hard to explain, but it was different. College basketball was so different then in so many different ways, and he was an incredibly important part of it. Uh, I'm Greeny, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. Okay, I have a few different stops I want to make now as we have a few minutes to go through a few football notes that I saw over the weekend that otherwise I was going to spend a lot more time on today. Um, but with the news of John Thompson's passing, I, I didn't want to let these things go. So we'll make three stops and we'll do one question for each. And the first is going to be in Chicago. I talked earlier in the show about how they're doing something in Chicago that I usually roll my eyes at. But in this unique circumstance, I think might be a good idea. Matt Nagy, the coach of the Bears, is not announcing a starter for their opener a week from Sunday against Detroit. It might be Mitch Trubisky. It might be Nick Foles. He's not letting anybody know. And I said, usually I think that is a waste of time. But this year, where there's been no preseason, where there's been so much less uh, availability to see what's happening in practice and everything else, and particularly with two quarterbacks who are stylistically as different as Trubisky and Foles are, it actually feels like an idea that just might make a difference. So I have a question for ESPN's NFL Nation Bears reporter. That's Jeff Dickerson, who joins me here on Greeny. And, and Jeff, uh, let me just start there. What, what can you tell me about this quarterback battle, what we have been able to see to this point, and who you would give the edge to if you have the ability to give an edge with as limited as I know the information has been? Sure, Greeny. I mean, I think you've seen two quarterbacks that have looked very pedestrian 
up to this point in two weeks of padded practices. I'm not sure if Matt Nagy knows exactly who he wants to go with yet because neither quarterback, Trubisky or Foles, has really distinguished themselves in the practices that have been open to us. I mean, some days, Trubisky, you see the athleticism, the ball's coming out of his hands nicely, and then, you know, two drills later, he's throwing two interceptions. Foles has been steady. I think he's been steadier than Trubisky, but nothing special or flashy. And now, Greeny, on top of that... You've got their starting running back, David Montgomery, out for a while with a groin injury. So that factors into what the Bears are going to want to do offensively early in week one in week two. So I think neither guy has really covered themselves in glory. But if you had to ask me, my edge right now, and I've said this now for a couple of weeks, I still think it's going to be Nick Foles because I just think the Bears know what to expect from him more on a week-in, week-out basis because he's got the relationships built in with Matt Nagy, with John Filippo, with Bill Lazor. All these coaches the Bears have brought in had worked with Foles in the past, and Trubisky was just so uneven last year, I think that scares the Bears. So I think eventually we'll find out that it will be Nick Foles starting week one against Detroit. Okay, well done. Jeff Dickerson, thank you. I'll I'll keep you close by as we work our way towards that. My next stop is going to be with the Jets, um, where the the conflict between head coach Adam Gase and the superstar Le'Veon Bell seemed to rear its ugly head last week. And I consider there to have been a conflict last year, although neither one of them seems to agree. But it has long been sort of an open secret that Adam Gase did not support the idea of spending all the money to bring Le'Veon Bell to the Jets. That was done by the former general manager whom they fired right after the draft. But anyway, so he shows up there last year. The quarterback gets mono and Adam Gase put together what I thought was an uninspiring, uncreative usage of this great weapon that Le'Veon Bell should be all year. Either way, it seemed like the two of them were okay. And then over the last couple of days, Le'Veon Bell posted some stuff on social media that gave one the sense that he was extremely unhappy and unhappy with Adam Gase. And Gase responded that he was, I don't know, disappointed in that and felt as though perhaps they should have been in a better place. Rich Samini covers the Jets for us and ESPN's NFL Nation, and he's a good friend of mine. Rich, what the heck is going on there, and, and where does it stand now? Well, Green, uh, that was a really good summation of their relationship. And the weird thing about the tweet last week from Le'Veon was – up until then, they seemed to be getting along great. I mean, Le'Veon, the first week of training camp, was just raving about Adam and you know how he spends more time with Adam than any coach he's had in the past in the NFL. And you know, Adam was gushing about the type of shape Le'Veon came in. He actually said he's probably the best conditioned player on this team. Hmm. And then something so minor as just a practice, it's like a scrimmage, and he took out Le'Veon because – he was told by the trainer that the player's hamstrings were a little bit tight, so he didn't want to take any chances, and he takes him out. And basically, Le'Veon missed about five plays. That was about it. And a, a couple of hours later, Le'Veon's on social media tweeting, you know, his hamstrings are fine, and essentially saying, you know, he wanted to keep practicing. So they had a long sit-down that day. And, Greeny, it's never a good sign when, when a coach and a, and a star player are having a long sit-down before the season even starts. And the, the X factor here is Gase brings in, in the offseason, maybe one of his most favorite players ever in Frank Gore. So you add him into the equation, and I think Gase really likes Gore and thinks Gore, at the age of 37, can still help this team. So to me, it's a fascinating dynamic. It's certainly something that bears watching. And, and just lastly, we have not had the opportunity to speak with Le'Veon since his 
tweet. I suspect that will be either tomorrow or the next day. So stay tuned. There's another chapter in this book uh, coming out shortly. All right. Well, I, it's a, it's, if, if that was a book, I wouldn't be interested in reading it, but I, I understand what you're saying. Rich Samini with one question and one great answer there. Thank you, my man. I'll check in with you. I'll probably wind up texting you later because, you know, I'm very concerned about this stuff. I get crazy when it comes to that, especially Le'Veon Bell, whom the Jets have misused. But right, I got one more stop, one question, and this one's going to be in Miami because I was reading stories that Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and our condolences to him, Ryan Fitzpatrick's mother passed away. And so apparently Matt, Ryan Fitzpatrick was away with his family, and uh, there was some speculation that this was going to mean Tua Tunga-Vailoa was going to be the starting quarterback for the Dolphins week one. As I bring Cameron Wolf into the conversation, who covers the Dolphins for us in NFL Nation, Cameron, do I understand that Ryan Fitzpatrick has returned? And, and so uh, whether he has or he hasn't, I, that's, my I guess, my first question. But my real question is, where is Tua, and what are the chances that we see him as the starting quarterback either week one or some point early in the season? What's going on, Greeny? You are accurate. Um, We saw Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, at practice today. He was one of the first guys out there, and he gave a hug to a team support member. And I can only think of how difficult it must be going through his situation. You lose your mom on Saturday, and you're trying to get back to football on Monday. So I just think that he deserves a lot of credit for that. You know, I don't know if this is his way to cope, but he's he's definitely a strong – strong guy to come back but I, I think to answer your main question the expectation here is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is your week one starter um, and I know that a lot of people were hoping to see Tua early in the season I don't think that's the Dolphins plan right now and it's nothing to do with Tua or his health he's looked healthy he's looked mobile I just think that given the shortened offseason and Ryan Fitzpatrick has a lot of comfort with Chan Gailey who's their new offensive coordinator he's played five seasons with them between Buffalo and the New York Jets and, and Tua's actually you know, seeing some of his first weeks on on-field practice experiences. So when Fitz has been out, we've seen Tua, and he hasn't looked like the second coming of Dan Marino yet. You know, I can tell you that. <laughs> so he's looked healthy and mobile, but he still looks like a rookie. He, he definitely doesn't look like he's more advanced than Ryan Fitzpatrick at this stage. So I think you're going to see the Dolphins give Ryan the rope of the season, and then whenever he turns into what we've seen Fitzpatrick do sometimes in his career where he starts to throw some interceptions, then maybe the rumblings of, of Tua start to get a little louder. So I don't know if that's October or November or, or December, but I think that Tua will get his chance at some point this season. It just won't be week one and probably not in September either. All right, Cameron Wolf, thank you very much. I enjoyed it. And Cameron Wolf covering the Dolphins for us and NFL Nation. It's challenging, especially with everything else you have to consider today. But there's one place where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and that place is Zip Recruiter. Try Zip Recruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com slash greeny. That's ziprecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. Zip Recruiter, the smartest way to hire. Booger McFarlane will join me on all these football stories next. I'm Greeny, and this is ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched 
with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Leonard Fournette traded. Greeny back with you on ESPN Radio. Not traded, excuse me. Released by Jacksonville. You just heard their coach, uh, Doug Marone, saying they couldn't trade him. Time for some straight talk. You know what covering your bases is in baseball, right? Making sure you have no holes in your defense. That's the kind of coverage you get with Straight Talk Wireless. You pay up to 50% less than big carriers, still use their same networks. Just 45 bucks a month gets you the unlimited plan with 25 gigs of high-speed data, then 2G. No contract, no mystery fees. Fully covering your bases for 50% less. Straight Talk Wireless only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. So as I bring Booger McFarland into the conversation, Boog, so I had an interesting thing that I just noted, and that is this. Last Friday, I got a lot of attention here because I pointed out that I was trying to type the word test into my phone and it kept auto-correcting to the word yeet, which of course is ridiculous and I have no idea why that was happening. But just now, I have multiple times tried to type the word booger to point out that you were coming up on the show and it keeps auto-correcting it to blogger. And I just wonder if that is a problem <laughs> that you have or if that has in any other way impacted your life adversely. Greeny, first of all, it's good to be on with you. Uh, I rarely type my own name, so I, I can't say that I've ran into that point. But the fact that it comes up blogger lets you know there's something wrong with your phone because rarely ever, nor will it ever happen, I ever think about being a blogger in my life. <laughs> You're too much of a golfer to be a blogger. That's what I know about, about Booger McFarland. All right, we just heard that thing about, about um, Leonard Fournette. And, of course, he's an LSU guy. You're an LSU guy. Somewhat shocking what happened there in Jacksonville, but let's let's move past that because in the world in which we live, we move past things fast. Who should sign him right now? Give me a team that should sign Leonard Fournette and you think he could make a significant impact with this year. Well, Greeny, I'll do better. I'll give you two. Uh, I'll start with Seattle. I, I think with the way they run the football, the style of play that Pete Carroll uh, likes to inhibit, uh, and if, if the fact that you look at their running back room, Chris Carson got hurt. Uh, Penny, I think, was dinged up also. So even though those guys are healthy now, what are you going to do And yeah, as far as the season by having a healthy room of running backs? And Greeny, let's realize, Leonard Fournette is 20, what, 25, 26 years old. Uh, he's had a couple of thousand-yard seasons. So he is a productive running back. So Seattle makes a lot of sense. And then down in Tampa, you know, if you think about everyone is talking about Tampa and Tom Brady needs a pass-catching running back. But what about a running back that does the first job that a running back is supposed to do, running the football? 
And I get it, Ronald Jones is starting to come into his own from what everyone says, but Ronald Jones is not Leonard Fournette. So I, I think for various reasons, Tampa and Seattle make a lot of sense for Leonard Fournette. Me too. Blogger McFarlane with me on the Shell Penzoil Performance Line. <laughs> Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gas. Sorry, I'm like, I'm like Will Ferrell and Anchorman. If it's written on the piece of paper, I'm going to read it. For, for the rest of this conversation, you're going to be Blogger McFarlane. Um, we talked about it briefly on TV this morning. I just talked about it with, uh, with our NFL Nation reporter in Chicago. Who should be the Bears starter week one, Foles or Trubisky? Nick Foles, and uh, I think that decision has probably already been made. As a matter of fact, Rene, I think that decision was made when they traded for Nick Foles. Otherwise, why would you bring in high-level competition for a guy that was drafted two overall in Mitch Trubisky? And I think you couple that with the fact that a lot of his teammates lost confidence in Trubisky last year. It showed he lost confidence in himself by asking the people in the building to turn off all the TVs because he did not want to hear the criticism. You know, some people, Greeny, the criticism fuels them. Others, it breaks them. You know, the people that it fuels, they want to hear it because it just it pumps them up. I think of guys, Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers. The more criticism they hear, the better they play. Where it seems like Mitch Trubisky has gone the other way, and your teammates pay attention to that. Your teammates notice that. And so I, I think when they traded for Foles and he came in, they pretty much penciled him in as a starter that day, and Trubisky was going to have to beat Foles out And by all accounts, I don't think he has. So I I think it would really be a shock to me if Nick Foles is not starting week one. I think they play Detroit week one. They do. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think it's going to be Foles. I'm the last remaining member of the haven't given up on Mitch Trubisky um, parade, or there was not enough of us to have a parade. Uh, I'm the last person standing on Mitch Trubisky's hill, and I guess I'm going to die on it because I agree with you. I think that it will be Foles. I wouldn't be giving up yet if I were in that position. One last thing for you, uh, for those who don't know, Booger, you, of course, covered played in the SEC and covered SEC football for us at ESPN for years. And so uh, you know the Tua situation as well as anybody. What is your sense of how much or little Tua Tungavailoa should play this year in Miami? I just spoke to them down there. Ryan Fitzpatrick is back. He, he left the team for two days after the death of his mother. He's back. He, he figures to be the starter week one. Do you think we will see Tua at all this season? Yeah, I think if we don't, it's a problem. You know, Greeny, the days of taking a young quarterback and putting him on the shelf and putting saran wrap and bubble wrap around him, those days are over with. I, I, I think when you have a young quarterback that you drafted at that high, he's on a rookie deal. So from an economic standpoint, it's a very favorable situation, and it benefits you when that guy plays. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is the perfect mentor. Fitz Magic, as we call him in the league, he's a guy that can get you uh, a good foundation. He's going to be the ultimate uh, backup quarterback, and he can start if you need, need be. And I think he'll start the first three, four games. But I would be shocked if Tua Tungabaloa is not the quarterback for a large part of the season, 10, 11, 12 games, because you have to get him out there and let him play, Greeny. You don't learn sitting on the bench. You know, you, you didn't become – a, a, a world-famous broadcaster by sitting there playing with your dog, Phoebe. You had to get on TV. You had to get on the radio. You had to do the things that actually made you who you are, and that's doing your job. And it's no different playing quarterback in the NFL than it is doing radio or doing TV. Reps are important. Not practice reps. When that red light comes on, it means something, Greeny. Well, it's the same way in football. When that ball is kicked off and somebody can – knock your head off for real it means something and that takes the game to a new level and he he has to play like he has to feel what that intensity 
is like in order to get better. You can't get better at practice. You know, you, you can become confident at practice, but you can't get better until you actually step on the field and do that thing in live, live reps. I like it. I like it, and I hope that we do assume it. Make it fun. All right, again, Blogger McFarland with me here. Thank you very much, Booger. It is always a pleasure, and I will see you on TV hopefully later this week. Thanks, Boog. Goldie, really, really appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> we have to tell that story. Hold on. We have too many people who don't know. What the, can you hang on through a break for a minute here? We need to tell that story. on the way Because yeah, that's too funny. <laughs> And I hadn't even thought of it. All right, we'll take a break and we'll explain why Blogger just called me Goldie. Plus, I will explain why Trubisky was not the biggest mistake in the draft of the the year that he himself was selected. Those and more in a moment. It is Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Brainstorm. What is something that works so well that it's basically magic? Air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, meeting-free Fridays? What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to all other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to shopify magic your ai powered all-star shopify powers 10 percent of all e-commerce in the u.s and shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, rothy's and brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries plus shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com com slash greenie all lowercase go to shopify.com slash greenie now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash greenie for the ones who get it done granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer call clickgranger.com or just stop by Greeny, back with you. And my fascinating stat for today is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app, and it's a good one. Jamal Murray yesterday became the third player ever to score 50 points in a postseason elimination game. Wilt Chamberlain was another who did it. He did it three times. And then the other, and I'm telling you right now, you'll win some money on a bar bet with this one, and it ties into our main topic of the day, was Sleepy Floyd, who, of course, played for the legendary John Thompson at Georgetown. Those the three players, Jamal Murray, Sleepy Floyd, and Wilt Chamberlain three times to score 50 points in a postseason elimination game. With that, I bring Booger back, back into the conversation real quick. Boog, thanks for doing this. But I realize, you know, as I'm back on the radio now, a lot of people don't know the old stories. And that's one of my favorite days ever. Booger is hosting Mike and Mike with me one day. Golik is off. And we have Al Leiter on. And I do this long intro, Boog, about how close Al Leiter and I are. (laughs) And he then proceeds by saying, yeah, it's good to talk to you, Goldie. And he calls me Goldie multiple times in the interview. And I'm so non-confrontational that I will not correct him. 
And when we hang up the phone, Booger just says on the air in a great moment, Booger goes, all right, let's address the elephant in the room. And, and we went from there, and that was how I became Goldie. Well, here's the deal. The problem is not that he didn't know you, because clearly he didn't know you. The fact that you thought y'all worked together several times and you knew him, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't even know your name. The problem that I had is that you converted from Greeny to Goldie by answering him several times. He said Goldie, and you was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll just roll with it. Like, what kind of man will change his name mid-interview just to get along during the interview? Me. I, I'm the only person you know who would do that. But I'm that non-confrontational. As I said to you afterwards, I, I, would, I would sooner legally change my name to Goldberg rather than Greenberg. I would go down to the DMV. I'd stand in that line, Boog, however long it took. I would stand down there and I would legally change my name so that I could then be Goldie rather than say to him, actually... <laughs> You, you're, you have my name wrong, and it's actually Greenberg, and people call me Greeny. And, and he wound up calling back, and he felt bad about it. This is not about being mad at him. It was just a very, very funny day. It was a classic day, and, and the fact that, you know, you guys knew each other so well back then, I would love to know what he would call <laughs> you to, if, if you really knew him well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what other color it is he could call me. We try green, we try gold. Hey, I've got these guys are telling me I need to look at Shefty's tweet. Booger, let me read this to you while I have you here. I knew know the one about Kamara. Saints running back Alvin Kamara has had an unexcused absence from training camp the past three days, and it is believed to be contract related per sources. That's Adam Schefter one minute ago. Booger, what do you think of that? Kamara, unexcused from camp, past three days, believed to be contract-related. Well, someone needs to talk to him and tell him that it's really not going to do any good. It's going to cost him money because with this new CA, I, I think it's in effect, um, you, you really can't hold out. So if they deem this a holdout, he's going to get fined. He's going to lose money. So at some point, I, I think the Saints don't want to take it there, but I think at some point someone needs to have a conversation with him and say, hey, listen, you play for an offensive coach in Sean Payton. Sean Payton is going to get you the football. Like, there's nowhere else you're going to go. No one appreciates you more than the New Orleans Saints, more than Drew Brees. And so um, maybe they can do some adjusting to the contract, maybe guarantee something, bump something up. Alvin is going to get paid. I just think he's trying to rush it up because he's seen Zeke Elliott get paid. He's seen Christian McCaffrey get paid. He's seen Derek Henry. Like, he's seen some of these running backs get paid. But if you think about it, Greeny, you have Dalvin Cook, you have Alvin Kamara. These are two running backs who we know for, for a fact are disgruntled when it comes to their money. So mm-hmm. I, I just want to see how this plays out because they're both very, very valuable and essential, essential to what their team does offensively. Absolutely. All right, Booger, thanks a million for doing this, and thanks for hanging on through that. That was a funny story and a fun trip down memory lane. That's Booger McFarland with me here. Um, and the moments that I have left – I mentioned that I think you could now make a pretty good case that Mitchell Trubisky and the Bears taking him was not the biggest mistake that was made in the draft that year. And I can prove it to you. With Leonard Fournette being released today, the Jaguars released, drafted Leonard Fournette fourth and stayed with Blake Bortles as their quarterback when Patrick Mahomes was on the board and Deshaun Watson was on the board. So the Bears, yes, they chose a quarterback and they chose unwisely. But at least they chose an unknown quantity. 
They chose someone in Mitchell Trubisky they hadn't seen, hadn't been a part of their team. They didn't know what he could and couldn't do. The Jaguars looked at a good playoff game from Blake Bortles and decided, he's our future. They drafted Leonard Fournette, and they too passed on Deshaun Watson and on Patrick Mahomes. By the way, they also drafted Leonard Fournette four spots ahead of Christian McCaffrey. Which of those two, or those two running backs would you rather have? That's actually a very strange draft. Miles Garrett went number one in that draft that year. We talk about the huge names that went. McCaffrey went. Mahomes went. Deshaun Watson went. Tredavious White went in the middle of the first round that year. Dalvin Cook was a second-round pick that year. Juju Smith-Schuster was a second-round pick. Kamara, who we just talked about, was a third-round pick that year. Um, Kareem Hunt was a fourth-round pick that year. Shaquille Griffin, a third-round pick that year. So a lot of big-name players. And then all the way down here in the fifth round that year, George Kittle was drafted. It's always fun looking back on these drafts. But again, I think with that, you can make an argument that sticking with Bortles was an even bigger mistake than the Bears taking Trubisky. And that's the proof. And the proof is in the Pennzoil. Pennzoil synthetic motor oils are made from natural gas, gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Again, it's been a a really interesting day. Um, I appreciate all of the thoughts and all of the guests that we've had talking about John Thompson, both on television today and here on radio, he is a legend in every sense of the word, and he will be forever. Legends never die. Rest in peace, John Thompson. Our condolences to his family. I'll see you tomorrow morning on Get Up, and then back here, same time, same place tomorrow. I'm Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.